Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, late last week, Carolyn Bryant died at the age of 88, and you may be asking yourself, who's Carolyn Bryant? Carolyn Bryant was the white woman who lied and said that in 1955, Emmett Till, 14-year-old boy, whistled at her. And for that lie, he was savagely lynched. His mother would later use his broken and bruised and battered body to show the world what white supremacy does, what racism does. Mammy Till was courageous. Because of Carolyn Bryant's lies, she had to bury her son, her baby, we love to use in mainstream media black and white photos and imagery in order to showcase how long ago something was. You see, Carolyn Bryant died at the age of 88 from cancer. I pray to God in the universe it was excruciating because she got to live out a full and complete life, probably married, had kids, grandkids, went on vacations, made friends, lost friends, worked, lived a full and complete life without any accountability or responsibility for a lie, a vicious, disgusting, deceitful lie 
that cost a young 14-year-old boy his life? And would Ignite be one of the many flames that would ignite the civil rights movement? Now, what America loves to pretend is that our racist history is so far gone. Look how far we have come. Carolyn Bryant was 88 years old. There are people who are alive, walking around, have yet to retire, that remember the Jim Crow South, that were a part of what is not taught in American history about the great migration of Black families that would leave the South and move to a just as racist but not as violent North and spread across this country, which is why you have many stronghold pockets of Black people in the Midwest and in Northern states. We like to believe that our history is longer than it is. And it's not. Recently, we also lost, but this was an actual loss, whereas Carolyn Bryant's death is good riddance. I hope that you never rest well, and I hope that the fires of hell get you. And I mean that sincerely, from the bottom of my heart. Who we did lose was Harry Belafonte, activist, singer, actor, philanthropist, who used his celebrity to give a platform and a voice to the civil rights movement, who used his own money to bail out numerous times his friend, Martin Luther King Jr., who sat next to his wife, Coretta Scott King, at his friend's funeral. We always forget that these people that we talk about in history were real people, not just symbols, who risked their lives, who risked their celebrities, who risked their platforms to voice movements to usher in change. I say it all the time because it's important for us to really understand that this country is at yet another inflection point where you have schools in Texas that are about to display the Ten Commandments that are bringing back prayer in school, passing legislation, This is indoctrination. Everything that we thought that made America great, that created a separation between church and state in our public places is now being pulled back. While they are erasing history, going to war on consciousness, undemocratically 
removing elected officials from being able to speak and debate the issues. They did it in Tennessee. They just did it in Montana. With the first trans woman elected to the state legislature there. Zoe Zepper. Our history, if we actually were taught it, we would recognize is not that old. And we would be able to recognize and acknowledge the same patterns and the same tactics that were used to thwart the civil rights movement in the 1950s and prior are being used now. And they are winning at the state and local level, not yet at the federal. But that is what the 2024 elections will be about. I bring up this history to say we have been here before. None of this is new. Who is being attacked may have changed, not just black people being shot and lynched in the streets, but attacks on trans people, attacks on queer people for daring to exist in their skin. We have got to understand and learn and unpack our history so that we can take the tools that were used and be able to institute them now. We have been in this dark, dangerous place before. Which means that we have to bring the light if we are to get to the other side. That is what they want us to believe is not true. That their America is inevitable. And it is up to us to call bullshit on their white supremacist wet dreams. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, 
to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Folks, you know that whenever I have an opportunity each week to speak with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, I'm always thrilled. And I've never met a person that is committed to this show more than I am, which is Jonathan, who is literally uh, in transit right now, um, but able to join the show. Jonathan, um, the Tennessee Three, um, who were made famous by the uh, Republican legislature after trying to boot them um, from their duties as, a, as elected representatives, um, have made their way to the White House for a sit down with President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. I wanted to get your reactions um, to this meeting and the president really talking about his commitment uh, to democracy and applauding them uh, for the movement that they've started. Well, hey, everybody across America. I'm delighted to be here. I'm actually driving in a car across Michigan right now. It's a beautiful day. I'm driving through farmland um, and just happy to be part of this conversation. Um, and I will say, you know, I, I think that there are a couple things to think about with the Tennessee Three and why that was important. First of all, of course, is that the issue, as it was a huge issue about Tennessee, but it was also an issue about democracy. In other words, these were three democratically elected Congress people who, if not for one vote with regard to one one of the politicians, just literally one vote, and um, and then a, a kind of a loophole that uh, that counties could. Uh, could basically just reappoint uh, the other two Congress people. They would have, we would have three, three democratically elected people who were just kicked out for 
something that is was no more egregious than anything else that probably less egregious than other people had done. And so it represented something much, much larger about um, about democracy. And so I'm really glad that I'm glad the story got so much attention, honestly. But I'm, mm-hmm. but I'm also glad I think what's important is we see this a lot. I've seen this with gun issues and things like that, which is something will get a lot of attention and then we'll move on to the next story because there's always something next. And so I'm also really glad that the president and the vice president are basically making a sign that they're going to keep this in the public eye, which is what they're doing by this thing to basically say, even when the news cycle, even when the news cycle changes, we're going to learn from this because I do think that the bigger issue about, about just, you know, Standing up for the sanctity of elected officials is something that is playing out across America, and it's something that needs to be sustained beyond just one news cycle. Yeah, I think that that's right, because, you know, one of the issues that I think that, you know, all of our important issues have, whether it be climate change, that where we are talking about climate change and the effects when a super storm or a super tornado or uh, a, a, a fire uh, is burning in this country and destroys homes and property, then we want to have this conversation and then it goes away. This similarly is true, unfortunately, as it pertains to gun violence. You have the mass shootings in the headlines um, and then it goes away. And I think that to your point, the both the president and the vice president, the vice president flew down to Tennessee um you know when all when all of this was happening to signal just how committed the white house i think and the biden administration is um to keeping this front of mind i also wanted to get your thoughts jonathan too because as well as 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 this meeting that took place um joe biden president biden announced you know via his video um his bid for re-election in 2024 in the video right which I'm, I'm certain that you've seen by now you know we see massive protests we see you know protest signs with uh with a slash through guns we are talking about abortion and you know somebody had said one of the analysts on cable news had you know lifted up that this is the first time uh, which is really hard to believe, but I don't doubt it. It is the first time that a re-election campaign where Democrats are actually going out and talking about these really critical issues that are also controversial. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you make of what you made of the video, but of the clear uh, inclusion of both abortion uh, being a key issue and guns. Well, let, let me say two, two things. First, because I think these two issues we're talking about are connected. And so the first thing I want to say before jumping over to Biden is the reason the Tennessee Three is important in relation to the 24 election is that the the playbook that the Republicans were going to use or are, are using to basically get people out of elected office, it wasn't just about the Tennessee State House. They were, they were have been doing or are going to try to do this same thing with a bunch of different important positions across red state America. The person who actually started the ball rolling was DeSantis, who, um, you know, state defenders and prosecutors are democratically elected in Florida. And with minimal fanfare, he just pushed out a a, a prosecutor, an elected prosecutor in Florida, uh, basically saying, I'm going to replace you. And I think there were plans or are plans 
to do the same thing, not just for these high profile cases. I think they honestly screwed up by not realizing how high profile this was going to be. Um, but for election uh, uh, positions and attorneys general and things like that, I know across Tennessee, Kansas, Missouri, other places. And so I think part of the reason that standing up for the Tennessee three in relation to the 2024 election is important is because it has direct out direct. It's not just about democracy as, as a policy. It's about democracy in relation to how votes are going to be counted in 2024. So I just wanted to make that point first. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you and I will be talking about this a lot. I, I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, Biden's strategy, I mean, let's be honest, Biden is not the most charismatic person who's ever, who's ever run for president. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, so, but I do think that Biden as a comparison, I mean, basically we're betting a lot on the, 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 the Republicans, um, the Republicans being very extreme. I mean, if I was a Republican strategist right now, I would say run back toward the middle. And so, you know, say, oh, we're. Oh, they're too, Jonathan, they're too far off a cliff. No, I know. To even, to even take that, to even take what would logically be a good campaign strategy to even do that. Like they, they there is no way for them to run back to the middle because they are literally over, they have jumped the shark at this I, point. I know that's true. I just feel like we're, we're betting the house on them being crazy and I'm sure they are going to be crazy, but uh, you know, and push each other, other to the right. Um, but, uh, but I do think we're opening a place where if they, I mean, again, I, I agree with you that they're not going to do it, but you know, elections are won and lost based on independent voters, middle, middle of the road voters. And so we're betting a lot on, on them running the same playbook that they ran, that they've been running, which I'm sure is right. But if for any reason they don't do that, then we're screwed. <laughs> then we're screwed. But I, I mean, I just even like here's the thing is that I, I I'm going to push back on yeah. you a, a bit in terms of the independent voters and middle of the road voters, because by virtue of the Republican Party running so far to the right and 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 airing out their extremism and their white Christian fascist views on pretty much everything from books to LGBTQ people to voting to history um, to curriculum to abortion like there is no there's no way to put the hood back on. There's no way to put the genie back in the bottle here because the you you can point to the 400 pieces of legislation that have been put out to ban, you know, queer existence in this country in red states. You can point to the book banning that is happening in every red state. You can point to all of these things. So even if Donald Trump were to say, oh, I think abortion is a losing issue. Well, it's too late. Right. Because the red state legislatures, once Dobbs was overturned last summer, went all the way to either heartbeat, quote unquote, uh, so-called heartbeat bills or no abortion at all whatsoever, even at six weeks or in the case of rape and incest. So for the messaging on the point on, on the side of Democrats, like all they have to do is run the t run the clips, <laughs> you know, where you have Republican legislatures talking about rolling back child labor laws, rolling back and uh, rolling back marriage laws and saying that they know people that have been married since 12 and that's okay because it's not incest. So I, I, I just want to say that I think that by virtue of the Republican Party going so far extreme that whoever we believe to still be in the middle is no longer in the middle oh, oh, yeah. because every issue yeah. 
every issue that you would have been middle of the road on because they didn't step in that puddle yet, they've been jumping in. Yeah, no. Let, let me be clear. Like, I'm not saying that's what I think they're going to do. And I, I, I'll even one up you on what you said, which is there's no way to take the hood off. The hood is on. Like, yep. there's no doubt about that. Yep. So I have no doubt that the the hood is on. Like, there's the the, the record is there. What I said was, if I was a Republican strategist, that's what, mm-hmm. that's what I would be saying. Because I think the, I, I guess my but the issue I was saying is the Democrats are playing their cards early by picking Biden. First of all, of course, he's the incumbent. There's history there. But by, by picking Biden, you're not picking a, a bunch of other people. You're not going to have competitive debates. So you're basically picking Biden because he's beaten Trump and he's the anti-Trump. Um, and you're picking Biden because of course he's got a track record, which people people care about. But you know, people vote in presidential elections for a, bu- a bunch of different reasons. Um, and then you're then you're highlighting all the extreme stuff that the that the Republicans have done. And so I, I don't I don't doubt that that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, I think there are a lot of very smart people who see in the inevitability of Trump getting the nomination, of Trump not being able to control himself. Um, but I but but but. Um, but, but I think it really increases the, like, I mean, let's think about it. And you and I have talked about this a lot. Like, why did, why did Biden win in 20? He won because people were afraid of Trump, because Trump completely, you know, fracked up COVID. He, he had a whole debate where he had COVID on stage and was infecting yep. the audience and was sweating. Um, he, um, he, he suppressed the mail-in vote, right? He was going against the post office. So Republicans didn't vote mail-in which was a huge deal for, for Democrats. And so I'm just saying, and of course we, we learn from that also, but I just, if the, if the Republicans make exactly the same mistakes again, it's totally a cakewalk. I, I feel like there's going to be something like they'd be crazy to not say everybody do mail-in ballots or let's make it easier to something like that. So I just don't think they're going to make the same mistakes. And so I just think it's going to be a harder campaign for Biden, which is maybe why, making the stakes very clear right now about you might not love Biden, but here's the alternative. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the winning argument. Um, it's about democracy. It's about abortion. It's about guns. Um, but I, I just think it's, I just, I, I mean, yeah. I, I just don't think that this race is going to be, I, I mean, I think that 2020 was damn near impossible. And I don't see any difference between this presidential race and maybe I'm being, you know, I, I think that they're they're both equally as difficult, right? 2020 we were at the in the height of a pandemic. Yeah. And he was able to pull out the election and this was a man who until, you know, uh Mr. Clyburn in South Carolina came out full force and said we're going with Biden, like he was just floating in the water, right? Of the primary. And so when I look at now with 12 million jobs, you know, that he's added to the economy more than any president ever. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, 
We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When I look at the Supreme Court nomination, when I look at the infrastructure bill, when I actually look at these things, and I, and I say this as somebody who was not a pro-Biden person, right? But I'm just like, he has surprised me at every single turn over the course of his first term. Right, no. And I can't, and and as somebody who was on the fence, not even on the fence for him, I wasn't even in the room for him. (laughs) We have a record of that because I talked you into him on this show. And yeah. so I, of course, I, I know that. And I think he's done a very admirable job as president. There's no doubt about that. I, I totally agree with you. Um, but, but I think there are going to be a lot of twists and turns that are, they're just, I mean, like, what if, what if he goes to prison <laughs> a trap or something, you know, like there's so many things that could happen. My only point is we're, we're, we're laying down the green, the groundwork very early of the choice, right? It's like you, you know, for people who might be on the fence about Biden, even still, here's the choice. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see how, how the Republicans respond to that, you know, and now without Tucker Carlson, without all this stuff, it'll just be, I think this is going to be a lot, this is going to be a lot of work, which is no surprise to anybody, but, but I think it'll be a lot of work. But I, 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 of course, I, I, I think it's great. And I think it's important that the Democrats lay down 
the stakes of this election early, lay down the terms of the debate early. Um, and I would just bet it's going to be a lot of work and, and there are going to be twists and turns that are unexpected. What do you think about guns, Jonathan, being one of the things that is the issue that Biden is going to lean into? Um, do you think that for the movement, and, I, and I, I'm talking ex expressly about the movement, not necessarily electability, is this what the movement has needed, which is for Democrats not to just be reactive, but to be proactive in pushing because we finally have reached maybe our limit in terms of how many children's deaths we're willing to take. Well, I think it's important for two reasons. I want to give you both sides of the coin here. Um, the, 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 the caveat is that historically, even though, you know, Democrats love stats like 85% of people support background checks, but that doesn't mean that 85% of people will vote for Democrats because they support background checks. So mm -hmm. guns have not historically been an issue that people vote on. It's been across half the country actually a political loser. So even though 85% of people will tell pollsters that they support common sense gun reform, um, people don't go to the ballot and vote based on gun issues. That has not historically not been. Republicans are much more likely to vote based on, on guns. And so it's been an issue that people don't vote on. But I think that things are different now. Things are really different now because young, mm -hmm. because young voters really care about gun gun reform. And so people 25 and under, the people in Nashville who just created a four-mile human chain, the people who went out to support um, the the Nashville three, um, you know, who, who, who were protesting after the mass shooting. So I do think that appealing to gun reform is a real winner now because young, because young voters are so engaged. And so I'm, I'm kind of betting that we're going to see a shift in guns as a as a as a ballot as a ballot issue, I think that's what they're betting on because it really does mobilize young voters who really and truly care about this issue. And so I, I think it's smart right now, even though I wouldn't have said that even six months ago. Right, and that and that's I think that that's kind of that was the thing that stood out to me. You know, obviously alongside, you know, there were three things in 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 the campaign video, which was abortion guns and democracy and actually referring to MAGA extremism. And I think that what this administration has seen and what, you know, is, is really growth because when Joe Biden came into office in 2020, I think that he thought that there were still reasonable Republicans for him to sit down, share a drink with and like hammer out deals you know, to better America. I think over the course of his first term, he has realized that those days are gone, right? That the people that he thought that he was going to be able to rely on to be the adults in the room drank the Kool-Aid of, of, of MAGA and Trump. Um, and, and so I think that by virtue of him looking at the base and seeing how young people, how black people, how people of color ushered him into the presidency in 2020 and the issues that are important to them, um, that he's going to double down on that. And I think that it, it, particularly for me as a staunch progressive, 
I want to see that. And I want to see more of it. Yeah, no, I mean, of course, like four years ago, he never probably thought I'm going to run a campaign like this. And again, I, th I think I agree with you. I mean, you know, there, there are, I know because I just gave a talk to a bunch of conservatives in the middle of Michigan. I know there are like everyday people who are in the middle who identify as Republican, who don't, who are also, I mean, there are plenty of Republicans who think that Miffy Pristown should be legal. There are plenty of Republicans who are gun owners who think that we should have background checks. But I do think that the political Republicans, the people who are elected, there's just no room because the people who are elected are, are, are so extreme. And so I think he's reading the room politically in a way that might, it might appeal to some people. But I also think that rallying his own base is, is exactly the way to go. And, and again, I think setting the terms of the debate right now is super important in a way that also I think you're exactly right is mobile. In other words, I don't think he can win an election right now by saying, look what I did with the Inflation Reduction Act or the money people got during the pandemic. Because I, I, it's too easy for the other side to say, well, look, that caused inflation. Or I've, I've, mm -hmm, done, mm -hmm. I've, done, I've done plenty of interviews um, with people who, who feel like the government gave out way too much money to black people. Like that's kind of every, every research, every focus group I do, some white conservative will say something like that. But I do think, you know, there were, the Democrats have never run a campaign, which is like a Republican campaign, which is just to scare the shit out of people about what happens if the other side is elected. It's, it's really a, a page out of the Republican playbook. Um, you know, you might not love me, but holy crap, look at the other guys. And, and I think that's what they're doing. And again, I, I think how the Republicans respond, I mean, they've been trying to respond in certain ways. They're probably just stuck with Trump inevitably. Um, but, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you one more caveat. I'm sorry for being like Mr. Caveat today, but I never thought I would see the governor of Tennessee, Governor Lee, ever, ever, ever say that he would support anything to do with gun reform ever in his life. But when 9 billion young yeah. people showed up and he thought that he could get elected, booted out of office, all of a sudden he started supporting, he started supporting uh, red flag laws, which I never thought I would, I never thought I would see in my lifetime. So I guess the one issue is um, if they feel like they're going to get elected, booted out of office based on their positions, I, I don't think that, I think they love power more than anything. And and so if they feel like these issues are losers for them and it's it's pretty clear, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. That that's the one caveat I'm gonna hang my hat on for today, even though I'll give up on the all the other ones. <laughs> well, Jonathan, we have a lot of time ahead of us to be able to discuss this issue as well as all of the twists and turns uh, that we both know are coming. Um, but we will leave it here today. Jonathan, as always, we appreciate you and your analysis. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everybody. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic: Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.